Good morning, everyone. It's Dr. Sal Pacella from San Diego, California. Hope everyone's well. I'm joined today, of course, my colleagues, Dr. Sam Ree from Paramus, New Jersey. He's at Bergen Cosmetic. And Dr. Sam Jajurikar from Dallas, Texas. He's at Sam Jajurikar. I am at San Diego Plastic Surgeon. How are you guys? Doing great. Doing Doing amazing. We have had a hiatus from our usual podcast, Three Plastic Surgeons and a Microphone, and we're happy to pick things back up here and talk about an awesome new topic. All right. So today's topic, we're going to talk about what's hot in the media, Ozempic face. <laughs> okay. So these are a new class of weight drugs that a lot of doctors have been prescribing recently, and they've had some some interesting side effects. So we're going to talk about those today. But first, before we do that, we're going to give a little disclaimer, our usual disclaimer. This show is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The show is for informational purposes only. Treatment and results may vary based upon the circumstances, situation, and medical judgment after appropriate discussion. Always seek the advice of your surgeon or qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding medical care. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay seeking advice because of something in the show. All right, gents. Well, so I'm going to hand it over to uh, Dr. Jajurikar. He's going to take the lead here and uh, tell us a bit about Ozempic Face. Perfect. Yeah. So much like you guys, over the last two weeks, my social media feed has been sort of dominated by this hashtag Ozempic face. I have saw sort of articles in the New York Times. I've seen other plastic surgeons talking about it on their social media feeds. And so I thought this would be a timely topic for us to talk about. So first of all, what are these medications? Ozempic and Wagovi were the first few medications that, that were sort of released. They're both actually the same medication, semi-glutide. And Ozempic was actually released for the treatment of type 2 diabetes. Wagovi, was, was, which is a higher dose of semi-glutide, was approved for the treatment of obesity. A few months later, like June of 2022, Manjaro was FDA approved for the treatment of type 2 diabetes. But interestingly enough, as the clinical trials were done, even though Manjaro is te- technically for type 2 diabetes, the clinical trials actually show that weight loss with this medication could be twice as much as you might see with these other meds. And so in a lot of cities, Dallas being one of them, I know New York City, I'm sure you guys as well, you're, you're seeing it a lot. A lot of patients started getting this prescribed for their doctors for the treatment of weight loss. And there's just tons of chatter. It's almost like it's magic that's out there. And there, you know, again, Ozempic was sort of the first one that was, that was talked about a lot. Now Manjaro seems to be the most effective. Um, before before we get any further, I want our patients to know we're not necessarily promoting the use of these medications. There are side effects like there could be with any other medications. The, the reported ones that they've, they've seen thyroid cancer and rodents with, with all of these medications. Pancreatitis could be a side effect with these medications. So we are not trying to, to, to push these medications. But in the New York Times article that I read earlier this week, they actually said that on Twitter, the hashtag Ozempic face had actually already been referenced 2.3 million times. So a lot of people are actually talking about this. So how do these medications work? Manjaro, I'm going to talk about that as well as Ozempic. So Manjaro and Ozempic both work through something called GLP-1 receptors, which are glucagon-like peptide receptors. And they do a few things. The first thing they do is they sort of increase the effects of insulin in in your body. So as we get older or when people have diabetes, they get more resistant to insulin, meaning that their ability to just sort of break down glucose and process it gets, gets worse. So they're more likely to start seeing diabetes. They're more likely to start gaining weight and storing that glucose. So these medications increase the sensitivity of 
of, uh, of your body to insulin. The second thing they both do is they reduce gastric emptying, meaning you eat a little bit and you get full a lot quicker. And then they both reduce glucagon, glucagon levels, which means you're less likely to mobilize glucose in your bloodstream. And so all of those medications, Ozempic, Wagovi, and Manjaro do this. Manjaro actually does something else. It actually works through another receptor as well, which are called GIP receptors or glucose dependent insulinotropic polypeptide receptors. So what it also does, it also works on your brain so you're not hungry and it increases the sensitivity even more so to insulin. So I, that's the, it's sort of speculated because it's got this dual mechanism of action. That's why it's more effective than Ozempic. So my personal story is this. I come from a, a family that has a strong history of type two diabetes. About a year ago, when I checked my hemoglobin A1C level, which is a marker of diabetes, it came back elevated at 5.6, which is the beginning of prediabetes. So with my doctor, we came up with a regimen of changes to my diet where basically I was having less carbs. I actually started doing intermittent fasting all in an attempt to control my, my levels of, you know, of my glucose levels and to try to control my, you know, propensity for type two diabetes. So a year goes by, I actually lose about 12 pounds doing this. I check my hemoglobin A1C again, and it's gone up to 5.9. And so now my doctor is telling me, well, you probably need to start some medication for this. He actually recommended that I start a different medication, a different pill. But because I'd seen so many of my patients on Manjaro, I actually asked, can I try Manjaro for a few months? I wouldn't mind losing another 15 or 20 pounds and then transitioning to this, which he agreed to. So I started on Manjaro about five weeks ago. And what, what happens is in this past five weeks, I have actually lost 15 pounds. And it just so turns out that about a year ago, I'd actually taken some photos before I was getting a laser treatment. And so I got another set of photos to see whether I had gotten Ozempic face. So gentlemen, what do you think? Do I have Ozempic face? I think you look I think chiseled. I think you look like the rock. <laughs> 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 yes. Well, yes. so <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, right? It's interesting. So when we look from these views, I mean, I definitely think I look better, but I also think that the weight loss in my face is disproportionate to a 15 pound weight loss. Um, I think there's well, a lot. Yes. Well, so, so let me say, I, you know, we see in, in cancer reconstruction that I do very frequently, we have the benefit of kind of seeing patients over and over throughout several months and over a year, two years, et cetera. We, we sometimes take pictures of their face, et cetera. And there is some yo-yoing that occurs sometimes with, with weight. And I would say that, you know, even five to 10 pounds of weight loss, you can actually see it in the face, I'm going to say. So it, it's actually not surprising to me with just 15 pounds that we're seeing, you know, some subtle changes in your face. You know, the big thing that jumps out at me the most, I think, your, you know, your jaw looks great. Go to the oblique for a second here. I mean, your jaw definitely looks more chiseled. Look at the submental area. You know, you don't have any any additional fat underneath the, your chin area. So you, you look great. The, the only thing I see here that I, I would say may be a little bit treatable is the temporal area right here above, right in between your ears and your eyebrow. That is notoriously a place where I see patients kind of lose weight and sort of have issues related to weight loss. So we got some treatments for that, my friend. <laughs> the, other <laughs> the other comment I would make is, is I agree with Sal 100%. The only other place I would see any sort of 
maybe more overt signs of aging is under under your eyes a little bit. There's a little bit of hollowing there that honestly, though, for your age and for your weight loss is pretty good. What I'm impressed with is when I see a lot of people who've lost this kind of weight, their nasolabial folds get pretty, pretty deep. And I don't see that in you. And I don't know if that's good genes or, you know, you just never really had that to begin with. I'm not sure. But that honestly, for 15 pounds at your age is your face is holding up pretty well, pretty well there. Yeah, it looks great. So, so, you know, this is, this is an interesting one for you guys, because normally we'll look at these pictures and they're just some patient you don't know. So it's easier to sort of tear it for you to, to be a little <laughs> critical of it, but because it's me and you guys are nice guys, you are being exceptionally kind. So, so I, I agree. I think I look healthier having lost weight. I think my face looks more chiseled. I will say a couple of things about my jawline area, Sam, in terms of your comment. I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a freak about radio frequency treatments. You know, I'm a big believer that radio frequency and retinols treatments together at, at home can be, can be really beneficial for keeping skin tight. So I think between Morpheus 8 treatments, which I've sort of done regularly over the last year and a half to two, a home form of radiofrequency treatment that I do about once a week, and then being very good about retinol treatments, I think that probably explains what we're seeing with the jawline area a little bit, where it hasn't, I think my jawline actually looks better with weight loss, which is interesting than it did before, because you would expect mm -hmm. this this area along the lower jawline to get, to get more... Um, to get more uh, sagging. Mm -hmm. In terms of the nasolabial folds, which are these lines for patients between the nose and the lips and the marionette lines, which are the, the lines between the lips and the jawline. I mean, I, I think there is some deepening that has actually occurred in this spot. These are very treatable by, by, by fillers. I agree that I think that I've lost a lot of fat in the, in, you know, in the, in the orbital region, where if you look at my lower eyelid, the, it looks substantially more sunken than it did 15 pounds before. I thought the thing which which you guys oops which you guys didn't really mention I thought I lost a lot of my buckle fat which is another hot topic you know, a lot of patients will sort of come to us and talk about, you know, do I need my buckle fat pads taken out? They want to get more of that chiseled look. And I, and I was thinking part of the reason why my cheekbones actually look a little bit more defined was I think my, my buckle fat is gone, which, which I don't know if that'll come back if, if the weight comes back because, you know, which we didn't mention, a lot of patients on these clinical trials, once they stop Manjaro and Ozempic, they, they get a, a, a portion of this weight back. So I'm, I don't know if my buccal fat will come back. I don't know if my orbital fat will come back. I don't know if my temporal hauling that Dr. Cello was talking about would come back as well. So I don't know. It's, it's interesting because some of, the, some of the fat that we lose in our face is, is just different kinds of fat. They're fat pads than, than, you know, than the typical fat that we might see in our abdomen that, that wavers. So I don't know. Dr. J, one question for you. Do you, do you smell what the rock is cooking? <laughs> 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 I, uh, it's unbelievable. Uh, I mean, you, what you need to do is you need to shave your head and get a tattoo <laughs> on your shoulder, and you are a spitting image of the rock. I mean, it's amazing. So, if, if only, if only, <laughs> if only, if only that were true. So, all right. So let let's talk for a second about you know you mentioned fat transfer. I I do a, a tremendous amount of fat transfer in and around the face in the periorbital region, and you know the the beautiful thing about fat transfer in and around the face is very easy to do, very predictable, and very long-term. This is something you could do right in the office. So that fat that's harvested from the abdomen, though, remembers that it's from the abdomen, right? So anytime you transfer 
tissue around, if you gain or lose weight after fat transfer, you will see it accordingly in those areas. So as to if you gained weight again, will you see it in your temporal, temporal fat pads? My answer to that is probably not. I, my experience has been that when people lose this in this area, it tends to be permanent. You know, even when people put weight back on, it, it's like that, that's a combination of aging and or weight loss. But it, but it's interesting. One of the only places in the body that once you lose the weight, it's gone and it doesn't come back. It's that area, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I feel like buckle fat, temporal fat, and orbital fat when they go away, they don't come back. And I think you're right. There's a lot of longevity that comes with a fat transfer. And for patients that don't want to do repeated filler treatments, that is a very nice alternative. I, I, I am a big fan of doing, you know, transient filler treatment as well, because I find that to be predictable as well. And the thing is, is if my weight yo-yos afterwards, I've definitely seen fat to the temporal region, fat to the cheeks, gain weight afterwards once a fat transfer happens and people's fat face look abnormally fat as well. So for, for, so my personal approach to me, which I'm going to show you guys in a second, is I'm probably going to do some extensive filler treatment in the next few months here to try to overcome some of these changes. Any comments, Sam, before we move on to, like, how would you, how, if, let's say I showed up in your office and I said, I, I want... I want, I want you to help me with some of these signs of aging. What would your approach to me be? Yeah, my first go-to generally, is, I mean, Sal is right. Fat is an amazing treatment method, and I use it a lot too for the face. But I always usually, for a first-time patient, we'll start with some sort of filler just to make sure that we know what we're doing in terms of results, whether they like it. And it helps us sort of gauge what a future fat transfer is. So I, I will usually start with filler and then bridge to fat if, if it's something they really like. So I, I use some virtual aesthetic software in my practice, which is called Chrysalix. The only eerie thing about Chrysalix is that it cuts off your hair. <laughs> it always looks like sort of a weird looking mask. But uh, I simulated, I started playing around. I'm like, how can I still sort of maintain this look that I, hopefully I'll maintain most of the weight loss that's occurred, but how can I reverse some of these signs of aging? And so Chris Lux has a partnership with Allergan, and I do use a lot of Allergan filler products in my practice. So in this, I sort of simulated what I thought two syringes of velour would look like in my nasolabial folds and marionette lines, which is a hyaluronic acid filler. I simulated what two syringes of volbella would look like in my lower eyelids and kind of spread a little bit into my temple area. That's a hyaluronic acid filler. I simulated what two syringes of Voluma would look like in my in my cheeks to try to add a little bit of volume um, to this lid cheek junction. And I even added a little bit of Velux to my jawline, just a little bit, to to try to to try to make my jawline even a little bit more more rock like in, in Dr. Pacella's analogy. And 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 I thought I thought this would still maintain sort of that chiseled look without you know, without any substantial downtime. You know, the nice thing about filler is I don't have to have surgery. It's something that can be done in the office and I can just sort of go back on my way. And so I, I anticipate doing 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 something like this in the next few months, maybe in a piecemeal manner. You guys have any comments about this? I think it looks great. Yeah. I think it's amazing how I think, I believe this is fairly accurate in terms of simulating what that kind of filler treatment is. What is surprising and yet not surprising is how much how much filler you you had to use to achieve these results on the simulation like how many syringes is that is that like eight or ten syringes like that's a lot like i was uh, i, I mean, was 
I was estimating about seven syringes of filler altogether to make this happen. Yeah. It's a How lot. Many? You know, that's the thing. You know, I, seven altogether was what I was thinking. Two of Allure, two yeah. of Aluma, two of Obella, and, and the Velux. I don't really know if I need that one. It's just new, so I want to right. play around with it. <laughs> so, <laughs> For the jaw, so that's, that's a jawline a- filler. <laughs> So, so that's a that's a good point about about the amount of syringes. So, let's just say on average, syringes of the fillers are four to six hundred dollars, something like that. Would you would you agree? I mean, I mean, the no, volumes are way more expensive than, than that. Probably. Yeah, but okay, yeah. yeah. So I, let, I, let's just even. Probably, let's just I'd, even say, I'd, say, I'd say between seven hundred to a thousand a syringe. Okay, so you let's just do the math real quick. So you have. Seven hundred bucks a syringe. That's about five thousand dollars. Let's yeah. Let's just say about five thousand dollars. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So five thousand dollars. So I fat transfer is relatively inexpensive. Can be done in the office setting. Takes about an hour, and I I would say that it's well below the cost of that. And so just to to keep this in perspective for patients when they when they choose a filler, all, fillers are temporary. Very easy to do. Fat transfer takes a little bit of time, a little bit of recovery, a little bit of a lot more swelling, but the, the fillers are a little bit more reversible, a little bit more subtle, etc. So it is it is a financial issue many times between the with the cost of fillers for sure. Absolutely, but the the couple of things I might take issue with what you said is there's a lot of downtime with fat grafting to the face. There tends to be a prolonged amount of swelling that can happen with it. It's not a little bit reversible. I mean, it's right, not that's really a, reversible. Right, that's what I meant. That, that's, that's, no, no. <laughs> so I, when you say no, filler no, is I, a I, little bit more reversible, it is reversible. And fat is not reversible. <laughs> right. I did, <laughs> I, did, not, I did say that. I did say, wait, wait, wait. I did say <laughs> the fillers are more reversible. And I said that there's extended. You said, you said extended a little bit more reversible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but, and then no, no, the no, other no, thing well, is, well, as a. Uh, what? Hold on, hold on. Let's give you some correct information. There, there are ways to, over, to treat overfilling of fat. Injection of steroids, there's massage, etc. So, you know, that's, I'm just saying the degree of reversibility or change is much more difficult with fat transfer. I agree. But it's, it's not a zero sum, right? Hundred percent. But then the, the 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 other type of cost that I would would talk to you about is is um is an opportunity cost, and you you know you, you know what that is, and Doctor Reed knows what it is. But for people that don't know what it is, an opportunity cost is is that cost that from downtime that which you're going to lose out on. So for me, if I can do filler injection and do it during the course of my day and continue to work and not look abnormal for a couple of weeks or three weeks or four weeks or however long it takes fat to go away or the, the swelling and bruising to go away. I, I actually think that that's less expensive for me in, in the long term if I'm not looking abnormal for a period of time and I'm seeing patients and I'm able to continue to operate. So, you know, and I agree, I'm not hating on fat at all. I love fat transfers to the face. I don't tend to do a lot of it in the office setting for this. When I do fat to the temples, when I do fat to the lower eyelids, I do fractionated fat, you know, fracta fat, which it's just easy, you know, and so there's just lots of preparation. So I tend to do this in the operating room when, when I'm doing it. So, um, there's pros and cons to either approach, but it's not uncommon for me in my practice to do four to six syringes on people at a given session. I mean, I, I probably do that on a weekly basis for people that, that have needs. So to, to me, that's not an abnormal amount of, of, of filler product to use. I love this debate between you two because I think for certain patients, fat is 
is definitely their answer. And for some people, fillers or both sometimes. And so I feel like the fact that we can have a good debate about both shows that there's utility in both methods of approach. And it's something that you, you know, discuss with your surgeon and then you sort of figure out what, what probably would work best for you. Yeah. So I think the take home message, at least in my mind, the two questions are, is ozempic face a real thing? Yeah, I think it is. I think, it, I do think you definitely see signs of facial aging with it. Is it unique to ozempic or is it more just related to weight loss? Who knows? But is it treatable? Yes, it's treatable. There's there's great ways to add volume back to the face. So for me, I'm personally very happy that I've been taking Manjaro. I, I love the fact that over a few months, over a few weeks, I've lost kind of a ridiculous amount of weight, and then I'm motivated to keep it off afterwards. We'll see if I'm actually successful. So I think the other key, the other key to remember is that you did a lot of non-invasive skin treatments during this time, which can be very helpful. So people should sort of keep that in mind as well as as they're going through. Medic, this medication regimen that maybe they should also be focusing on on that as well to help themselves. Great. Well, the, well, Jeff, that's the that's a great place to end. I think. I mean, I think the the key here is we're going to be seeing much more of this in the future as surgeons, and good to know there's a lot of treatments for that. I'm going to leave you with this. Know your role. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Peace out, everyone. <laughs> All right. <laughs>